This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. $5,000. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up, and I've already made around two, $300. You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash I earn from using Upside to help pay for a vacation later this year. Download the free Upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code SAVE to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code SAVE for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code SAVE for a 25 cents per gallon bonus. Welcome back to Let's Get Haunted with your hosts, Nat Strawn and Allie. But before we get into this week's episode, we have to insert a quick disclaimer here. If you're new to the show and don't know how it works, you should know that the first 15 or so minutes of every episode, sometimes a little bit more, sometimes a little bit less, is just Nat and I talking to each other, shouting out our sponsors, shouting out our donors, and doing some housekeeping. And if that sounds like something that doesn't interest you, that is totally fine. You can just expand the show notes and the very first sentence in all caps will say, skip two and then a timestamp and you can skip to that time at any time otherwise welcome to the intro welcome back guys to episode 158 of let's get haunted it is your favorite hosts in the world yeah Allie and nat natalia what are you up to today it's very early in the morning it's actually not that early but for some reason today it feels really early i've just been writing this episode all day i've had um like a kind of a crazy past two weeks i've been really busy trying to do a lot of things that I can't talk about yet, but hopefully they'll come to fruition. I'm very tired though because my son's sick right now and last night I went to go see Jamie's play. How was it? The play was like so crazy. It was called A New Brain and Jamie's on stage the entire time wearing like a a hospital gown. For those of you who don't know who Jamie is, Jamie was on the episode about the hat man and was also a special guest on the Meat Rain episode that Natalia did earlier this year was a really excellent episode. I feel confident saying this on behalf of all the haunties, even though it's just Nat and I here in the (laughs) studio. And obviously there's no other people in the uh, audience because there's no audience. But I feel very confident in saying that we all are really excited and honored that Jamie chose to come out as non-binary on the Hatman episode. That was Jamie's first time ever saying that publicly. And so we just feel super, super honored. Jamie, if you're listening to this, I like kind of feel so honored that I just don't even know what to say. Thank you so much for feeling safe enough to choose to come out on our show. If you're in the greater Atlanta area, Jamie is in a play and 
Nat just went and saw the play. So what yeah. was it like without giving away spoilers? What was it about? It was insane. It was I went into this knowing nothing about the play at all. I get to the theater and Jamie's on stage wearing a hospital gown the entire play because the character that Jamie plays is a gay man who is going through like a traumatic brain surgery. Oh. And so the character is having all of these like hallucinations about different things happening, but the hallucinations are just like in real life and it's a musical. My favorite thing was that Jamie's character is this composer for a children's show about like a frog that's like talks to kids, you know, kind of like Coco Melon or something like that, but it's with a frog. Well, that fucking frog comes to life and is like just a character on the stage and it's just like a, a middle-aged man who's dressed as a frog oh, really? with like a green... <laughs> green suit with like all kinds of flowers over it and just oh, like a, love a fake that. frog head but it's like a dick like the the frog character is like a fucking asshole and so Jamie is sitting there in this hospital gown in the gurney in the hospital on stage the character wants to write this like amazing epic because it might be the last thing that they can ever oh. write you know they're not sure if they can or not so they write oh, that's an interesting premise it was interesting and so but then the frog comes out it like is singing a song that's like you're untalented you suck you're fat you're unsuccessful and it's just like his intrusive thoughts are a character on the stage which I really liked and it was so fucking offensive that frog thing it was so mean like it would it would call people fat it would call people ugly it would say they were poor and all this stuff because it was like your like negative self-critical talk that you have yourself yeah uh-huh. it was very like edgy and, and interesting and I really enjoyed it and Jamie has like some really some some pipes well hell yeah um if you guys want to check out the show this is not sponsored um but if you want to check out the show and just support if you're in the Atlanta area go ahead and check out the show notes and we'll just have like maybe a link or something to a page uh, with more information. What have you been up to? I uploaded a very short vlog, gardening vlog to the Patreon last night at like midnight. Um, so oh, if nice. you guys are interested in that, I planted moonflower. I've been learning a lot about different flowers, which has been really interesting, I guess. I know it's kind of boring. It's not really like a negative or interesting haunting, but I love gardening. I think it's really cool. I would love to hear more. Moonflowers are really cool. That's what I'm stoked about. So if people saw the haunting of Bly Manor, moonflowers kind of make a cameo in there as this metaphor about the fragility of life because they only bloom for one season and they only bloom at night and they only bloom in the moonlight and they're poisonous. They're really hard to grow. So I've been like kind of making it my mission. I really want to grow moonflower. And I just finally, uh, maybe like three days ago or maybe four days at the maximum, but definitely three days ago, I finally got some moonflower sprouting up from the seedlings. So I'm really excited and I hope I hope that they actually flower this year I've read some stuff online about oh if you don't live in the right climate you might have like these really long beautiful green vines but you might not have the white moon flowers that the flowers are like famous for having so I don't know we'll see you guys I'll keep you updated on the patreon if that's something that interests you does it smell good I don't know that's a good question I've never seen a moonflower in person oh. so I was trying to figure out like where can I get these seeds at and then one day I was walking through like my local gardening store in Ventura they just happened to have them there and so I was 
really excited about it. And then I ended up like going down this rabbit hole watching all of these gardening YouTube videos. I realized that you can watch videos at three times speed and still retain the information. <laughs> so I've just been watching all these videos at maximum speed, learning and like oh, storing incredible. the knowledge in my brain. I was like, whoa, I can learn so many things now. I used to think wow. that you had to watch the whole thing at regular speed to retain the information. Not true. And then I just found this like really sweet older Southern lady who talks about moonflowers and I've uh, just been learning so much. That's awesome. So that's all I've been up to. I love when you find someone on YouTube that has whatever energy you need at that moment, you know? And then yeah, you totally. just are like, wow, this is so great. It's like I have a friend right now who's giving me advice or like helping in some way. <laughs> I definitely agree with you. It's also interesting just because I like, I don't watch a ton of YouTube anymore. I used to be really into YouTube. And then now that we're full-time podcasters, I've, I'm more like into podcast, like listening to different podcasts and seeing what other people do. So it's been interesting kind of going back into YouTube and, and seeing what the audiences are like yeah. nowadays. And it's also interesting because it really just gave me a lot of validation because even this like these like sweet people that are just talking about flowers on YouTube have haters. And it's right. so fucking funny. I was watching one video where it was literally just like a boomer vlog holding their phone, which is my favorite type of vlog, where this guy and his wife are planting a rose bush. All the comments were like, she better divorce him. It was like a 30 second video <laughs> just showing like, this is how wide you dig the hole. This is how you don't disturb the root ball. This is how you put it in the ground. And then, yeah, there were just these comments that were like, oh, I hope she divorces him. He was speaking really condescendingly to her. And I'm like, how do you get that from a 30 second video where like, Clearly the wife and husband both approved this video going up on their channel. It was just, I don't know, it's just really funny to see yeah. that happen on such a non-controversial topic. I feel like it's just, there's always going to be haters. I don't know. Well, luckily not on the Patreon, which brings me to my next point, which is if you're not already a member of the Patreon, definitely you should be because we have some really exciting public content planned yeah. for October and we would really appreciate it if people could subscribe to our Patreon and give us a little extra boost as we go into this crazy work schedule that we yeah. have planned for ourselves in October. And you can join by going to Patreon dot com forward slash let's get haunted where you can subscribe to either tier one for five dollars a month or tier two for ten dollars a month subscribing to either of those tiers unlocks exclusive content for tier one we guarantee that you will at the very least have the video version of the listener stories for tier two you get the video version of the listener stories plus a bunch of extra stuff yeah. and sometimes we throw in extra stuff for tier one as well you just never know what you're going to get with us we also are working on some little exclusive merch for the Patreon. Patreon, and we already have an exclusive poster available for purchase on the Patreon. Oh, so yeah. definitely check it out. And we would love to give a big shout out to this episode's patrons. We would love to give a big shout out to Tresca E, Nicole H, Kelsey S, Alan F, Al H, Bradley M, Brett B, 
B, Levi, Jordan L, Michelle H, Emmy J, Ashley J, Nick C, Sal S, Uber A, Yas A, Sad Girl Shell, Sydney B, Sarah, K to the Win, Carly, Tyson V, Beatrice, Beatrice, Jim H, Morgan, Kate M, Matthew L, Lisa ML, Laura Bakes, Andy, Caitlin D, 1017, Angela N, Kristen C, Jackie G, Sarah M, Taze Exotic Critters, Lauren G, Taylor, Emily H, British Cyborg, Jordan F, Christy H, Roxanne S, Brianne M, Sarah D, Sage, Monica R, Jen M, Sean, Kimberly, Caitlin D, Matt M, Alexandra, Mordo Music, Haley G, Kelsey K, Andrea C, Andrea C, JB, Michael B, Sarah W, Mecca K, Katie T, Mercy MA, Jess P, Marissa K, Sam P, Anya, Haley C, Frank D, A, Bennett, Ann P, Maja L, Emily C, Slug Bunny, Mars Y, Casey C, Oscar M, Alyssa D, Ashley M, Rebecca, Mason G, Lena, Lena, Sonia, Sonja, Kevin T, Nadine, NXDINE, Amanda P, Rivier, Alex P, Elsie Fitz, Monica H, Red Sands, Tiffany S, Brittany F, Deanna P, Deanna P, Cassie O, Valeria R, Wayne C, Jonna H, Jessica S, Cynthia DLTC, Enterix, Kat B, Vicky T, Wesley B, Mario A, Kristen K, Alessia, Alessia, Allison S, Hannah T, Malik, Cassidy D, Jody G, Amber O, Carrie C, Nikki S, Robin Nicole B, Freddie F, Lauren B, Abby S, Cassie L, Giovanni P, McKenna P, Tabby J, Hallye L, Haley L, Aliyah Ayala, Aliyah Ayala, Coraline, Lindsay L, Dan M, Rachel V, Ed W, Katie S, Kelsey A, Melissa G, Angelo E, Emily B, Kat L, Doralee N, Joshua K, Hunter S, Alessa M, V, Ember B, Haunted, Sage Faye, Christopher O, Sierra, Ariel M, Ariel M, Chase, Mark and Missy, Delilah F, Erica M, Chelsea O, Brooke W, Bree Bingo H, Riley, Jordan B, Tara Lee, Dana C, Sarah L, Thaddeus G, Sydney S, Alyssa S, Elisa S, Ta Jakester, By Lauren, Shane, Mary A, Rory L, Chinua, Ileana RN, Jesse W, Halen O, The Poo Poo Flinga, Hexylvania Snow, Simpon 98, Ashley R, Jenny B, Olivia M, Ashley W, Aya, Jasmine C, Abigail A, Tyler B, Michael R, Samantha P, Edwina Z Sweet, Brandon R, Lisa H, Jello R, Brenna M, Perry I, Perry L, Bella, Nicholas M, Elena B, Maddie V, Kevin and Mel H, Maria S, Chanel C, Brett is in the bathtub, and Jocelyn. Thank you guys so much. Yes, we like can literally can't do this without you guys. Thank you guys very much for supporting us in order to keep doing this, to keep the lights on at the studio, to keep our sanity, to know that we're not just fucking dumb. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you guys. Yes, thank you guys so much. And if you would like to join the Patreon, just check out the link in the show notes. But we are also very, very excited to announce that for the first time in a long time, we have a sponsor. Let's Get Haunted is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
I've actually talked about this sponsor before on the show, like without them sponsoring us, just because it impacted my life so positively. Some of you guys who listen might know that that is the app known as BetterHelp. B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P, help. It's a therapy app. You literally like download the app, you sign up, fill out like a little questionnaire about yourself and then they match you with a therapist. You can say yes or no to a therapist. If you find one, you're like, oh, I don't really like that. They like give you a few options. You can pick which one makes the most sense for you. And then you can start doing therapy with someone on your phone. And if you don't like them, you can change at any time. It's really easy to change your appointments to schedule therapy appointments. Cause I feel like if I'm personal experience, before I started with better help, I really needed therapy because I had had it in the past and I really liked it. I've been doing therapy my whole life. I think it's essential. There's no excuse not to have therapy. But during the pandemic, there was no in-person visitation. And then after the pandemic, some people just like kind of adopted that. Like I know a lot of industries were like, well, actually Zoom is just makes more sense for us. Or I know with acting, it was like, we're just going to continue to do like taped auditions because it just makes more sense. I wanted to be in person with someone because that's what I was used to it. But when I started started with BetterHelp, now I will never go back to in-person therapy. There's not enough time in the day for in-person therapy. Like living in LA, it would take 45 minutes to drive somewhere and then you got to park, then you got to show up and then you leave and you drive home. And like by the time you drive home, you're already mad again because you just like sat through all this traffic and stuff. So if you're like, well, I really want therapy, but like I can't find a good therapist or like I need to get a good recommendation or I don't know anyone or even if you don't have insurance because I didn't have insurance at the time, I still use BetterHelp, then like this is such a good option for you. And I literally would like finish riding my horse and go in the car and do my therapy session in the car. So it like accommodates my lifestyle, which is chaotic and crazy and probably why I need therapy. But it like it, it accommodates that, you know, where like a traditional setting doesn't necessarily work for someone who's freelancing or people who like are busy, like I have a kid. If you're wondering about it and you're like, well, I don't know, like just take the fucking jump because literally this changed my life. So I really hope you guys do it. (laughs) I will say that online therapy is the move because sometimes you just literally like don't want to get out of bed. Sometimes just getting in your car is too much for the day. So the nice thing about BetterHelp, like Nat said, is you can do it from anywhere. So if you're somebody who is struggling to just perform like basic life functions, which happen to all of us from time to time. Like Mm -hmm. sometimes just brushing your teeth is a win. The nice thing about BetterHelp is you can just pull out your phone, which we all have anyway with us at all times, and log in to your session. So that's something nice that you can do with BetterHelp. Get a break from your thoughts with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Get Haunted today to get 10% off your first month. That's Better H-E elp.com slash get haunted. And you can also check out the link in the show notes where we will have that listed. Like Nat said, there's really no excuse to not do therapy in this day and age. Give it a try. Let us know your thoughts. And if you're like, I don't need therapy, you fucking need therapy. Like that thought is telling me that you need fucking therapy. Visit betterhelp.com slash get haunted to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash get haunted. Yeah. We hope everyone has a great rest of their year. Yeah. Full of therapy, full of self, uh, self self discovery, self help. And maybe maybe getting some positive hauntings instead of some negative hauntings. I agree. I agree. Well, Natalia, are you ready to get into this week's haunting? 
I am ready to get into this week's haunting. This is a weird one. And also, I started reading over it this morning to like add more to it. And I realized that when I was working on it before, I was like kind of in a pissed off mood. You'll see what I mean. This is like a very, (laughs) there's like this intro that I wrote is very defensive. Wow. Well, maybe this is another (laughs) uh, more subtle ad for better help by listening to someone be upset. Exactly. There we go. The creak of disembodied footsteps on a wooden staircase. A squeak in the hinge of a twisted door as it slowly opens from its frame. The otherworldly telegraph of a gnarled branch scratching at the window pane. Murmuring and whispers in the dark of an empty bathroom. A sudden chill that raises the hairs on one's neck. A light in the attic that seems to have a mind of its own. These are some of the things that can cause a visitor to toss all night and turn the average historic home into the stuff of haunted house legends. But ask any skeptic and they'll scoff at the notion of the unexplained. After all, wood is a porous material, ever expanding and shrinking with the presence of moisture. It's bound to creak with the ravages of time. Hinges left to their own aging devices will similarly squeak. Untrimmed branches will scratch, neglected pipes will hum and sing, poor insulation will allow cold air to settle, and faulty electrical systems will cause a light to turn off and on. A skeptic will claim that any so-called hauntings in a historic home are all due to neglect. But how can one explain away how some homes seem to attract tragic ends for their occupants? A young woman throwing herself from the top story window to her death. A hermit sealing themselves indoors without visitation for 15 years. A man dying from fright in the attic with a shotgun clutched in his hands. A seasoned sailor sustaining a traumatic injury dies while fleeing the house. Can the average bump in the night inspire these kind of reactions? These are the fates of those unlucky souls who have endured the curse of what is known to be the most haunted house in London, 50 Berkeley Square. What? Are the victims of 50 Berkeley Square attributed to the lore of Victorian London sensationalist news articles? Or is 50 Berkeley Square really haunted? This episode, we dive into all the lore, the legends, and the facts we have about 50 Berkeley Square. Buckle the fuck up, because you're about to get haunted. Fuck yes. We haven't had just like a good haunted house episode in a while, I feel like. I'm very excited for this. Yeah. This is also like really getting me in the mood for Halloween. Spooky season's just around the corner, and I feel like there's nothing more emblematic of Halloween than a haunted house. Right? I know. It's perfect. It's a slow burn. So if you might have caught like signs of me being a little bit defensive in the intro, but here is where the real defensive Nat came in. I honestly, I don't even remember writing this. It says, disclaimer, 
This episode is an amalgamation of content sourced from the internet, newspaper articles, historical archives, and YouTube videos. Please do not come at me with your red-pilled bullshit about some weird obsession with the quote-unquote truth. All of my sources are listed in the show notes of every episode so you can literally read everything I did and come to your own conclusions. This is a paranormal entertainment podcast. My job is to entertain listeners with a paranormal story, not cater to weirdos who won't stop (laughs) commenting thinly veiled attempts to discredit my episodes. So if you don't like being entertained or specifically if you don't like being entertained by me please get the fuck out of my life thank you and or bye bitch (laughs) what happened what what happened Uh, i'm getting really annoyed with people that aren't haunties like people that like don't listen to the podcast or they like barely just found it or something and then they're commenting something on it that's like meant to discredit the episode like i heard this and this and this or or oh did you quote this person or your source is actually from this person and i'm like read the fucking sources i have all those people and in the episode i literally quote that person and i'm like this is from their book this is from this article or whatever and so it's just annoying because I feel like some people just read the title of something and then don't even listen to it and just like comment some triggered bullshit. And it's annoying because it's like we're professional and we're putting so much time into this. I don't want some brand or some company or some opportunity to see that there's one negative thing someone said about us that's completely unfounded and then not like want to work with us. You know what I mean? It's annoying. I Okay, I do understand what you're talking about. One time I did an episode, I don't even remember which one it was, and then somebody like started spamming us with comments on all social media being like you need to list the source for whatever you were reading in the intro and I was like I literally I said it before I read the quote I was like hey from the book blah 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 written by blah 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 quote so yeah I do know what you're talking about I feel like it's mainly on Instagram because people just like find the content on there and then they don't actually listen to the episode but anyways if by chance this person that's annoying me on Instagram fucking listens to this episode and hears that that's directed (laughs) 100 100% at you. Okay, so 50 Berkeley Square is like a really, really old building. It's been there for a really, really long time. And it's had a reputation as being haunted for hundreds of years now at this point. So there's a lot of lore that surrounds this building. Some of it is probably embellished and some of it is very much true it's hard for me to to like differentiate in the sources like who's right who's wrong I'm not sure because some of these articles and some of these sources are reputable some of them are just like firsthand accounts or passed down information so all of the sources are listed in my notes you can go look at them yourself I'm just found the things that I think are most interesting and if well as long as like the source wasn't like a myspace from like 2003 I would be like okay cool let's feature it in there but you know what sometimes if you find a myspace from 2003 that has some fucking fire content fire that shit (laughs) off and just make sure you were like hey everyone go to this 2003 myspace those are some of my favorite sources yeah it's like a someone's live journal yes or wordpress though yeah zanga those are the best oh yes there's some great source material from this so let's start by getting into the history berkeley square is named after a man who the land originally belonged to Lord Berkeley, the first Lord Berkeley of Stratton, died in 1678. According to the sources, Lord Berkeley built his hometown, aka Berkeley House, and purchased some land north of the house in 1675 for 30,000 pounds. In 1692, William Cavendish, the first Duke of Devonshire, purchased Berkeley House and renamed it Devonshire House. The five-acre garden that came to be known as Berkeley Square was actually designed by William Kent in 1730. Like most squares in London, this square is guarded on all sides by terraced buildings, 
In the case of Berkeley Square, these buildings are all large, historically residential townhomes. We're talking about mansions. These are big houses. These tall, multi-storied buildings conjure up images of luxury and wealth, two adjectives which have come to define Berkeley Square. And these homes are perhaps just as famous as their former residents. Berkeley Square was once home to a multitude of influential residents, including famed poet, author, and playwright Oscar Wilde, who penned works such as The Picture of Dorian Gray and The Importance of Being Earnest. Robert Clive, the first British governor of the Bengal Presidency, who's widely regarded as the man that laid the foundation for the British East India Trading Company. Charles Rolls, who co-founded the automobile company known as Rolls-Royce, was even born at Berkeley Square in 1877. There have been two separate prime ministers who both lived at number 48 Berkeley Square, Prime Minister Winston Churchill and Prime Minister George Canning. I'm going to send you a picture of Berkeley Square. Okay. Okay. You want to describe oh, those wow. pictures? Yes. So I am looking at a picture of some very, very tall brick buildings. Some of them are painted white. Some of them are just look like regular exposed brick. They are one, two, three, four, five stories tall. So the picture is shot from Berkeley Square. It is a park it looks to me yeah. like a park it's green that's kind of like a misty morning there are some trees the trees are bare in this photo and there is a very interesting piece of art <laughs> in the middle of this square um it shows a horse dancing with a rabbit they're yeah. both on their back legs i, I think English. that's a horse yeah, yeah yeah they're definitely it's like very fairy tale whimsical right. it's like i'm a rabbit and i'm a horse and let's go to berkeley square and have a dance <laughs> right and then the second photo is from this cobblestone or dirt pathway it's kind of hard to tell going down the center of this park and then the third photo is of a different statue within the park and it's a woman who is holding a vase by the way you guys if you want to see these pictures you can go to at let's get haunted on instagram to follow along with the episode so in the picture of the woman who has the vase there is like a black townhouse behind her that is 50 berkeley square but like oh so cool. to paint a picture for everyone who um can't see these photos it, it's like all of these buildings are different townhomes they're like kind of like we i think we would call this like a brownstone in new york or something like that you know where they're like fucking touching houses like yeah 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 townhome so they kind of make up a, a barrier and one of those is 50 berkeley square but this this square has been around for such a long time and it's like a really affluent area so there's a lot of history there because there's so many different influential people that have lived there that we have like great records of not to say that like some peasant living in um an alleyway isn't important we just don't have good records of those people so right. when there's like socialites or aristocrats in a place they usually have been written about or they've been painted so we know what they look like we know what they were like because people were talking about them yeah definitely i would agree with that yeah and it's interesting guys definitely go check out these photos if you have instagram because most of the townhomes appear to be white or exposed brick but then 50 berkeley square is black yeah it's weird so it's definitely very striking yeah seems kind of haunted i mean yeah i'm not, already I'm biased seems a little haunted but seems sort of haunted like to paint your house black when all the other houses are white i don't know who came up with that idea 
I also wanted to include like a weird note about Oscar Wilde. So when I was researching this, I was trying to figure out like what was true and what wasn't true. So I was like, okay, where did Oscar Wilde live in Berkeley Square? And I found it. But I guess like Oscar Wilde has lived all over London. If you Google like Oscar Wilde London house, there's like five different houses for sale. That's like the official home of Oscar Wilde. And it has like a plaque out front that's like Oscar Wilde, oh, really? famed poet, like lived here, whatever. Yeah. So I was like, how is this possible? Because I was trying to figure out like, is this reputable or not like can I say that Oscar Wilde lived here so apparently Oscar Wilde was like really eccentric and he would just travel all over London and live in a place for a little bit get like kicked out or write a book and then move go somewhere else and so there was like the cycle of him moving into a place getting inspired writing whatever work he did from there and then leaving but also he was a rumored, and I say rumored because homosexuality was illegal in the UK until 1967. Oscar Wilde was a rumored gay man who, even though he had like a wife and two kids, it was said that he was sleeping around with like different socialite men in the area. And so I think it was like a hush hush thing. I'm not sure because I like wasn't I wasn't alive at that time. But I would assume maybe it's like, you know, people smoking weed in a state that's like where it's illegal. Obviously, people do it. It's just kind of hush hush so maybe he was like moving around because he couldn't stay in a place too long because maybe his like reputation would get soured there well eventually what ended up happening is they persecuted him and they put him in prison for being gay or they like accused him of being gay they accused him of sodomy and he was imprisoned and I guess like his imprisonment was so detrimental to his health and his well-being that he uh when he got out of prison after two years he like got on a boat that same fucking day and sailed away and like never came back to the UK ever again. That's really interesting. It also makes me think though, if for some reason one day I ever became a historical figure, there are so many fucking places I've lived. And so I wonder if it would be a similar situation to Oscar Wilde where maybe he was just a renter or he was like a man of the world traveling throughout uh, many different places because he wanted to have the most life experience possible. Um, And so then it makes me think like, okay, I am just a renter like I don't own anything yeah. so there I have lived in like 50 different <laughs> apartments true. townhomes houses over the years I wonder if there would be a plaque outside each of those yeah that's true you're right I'm probably the same way so even if you don't give a shit about like haunted stuff the history of Berkeley Square is just really fascinating according to author Lori Benson who is an 18th and 19th century historian who also writes historical fiction romance novels I and I Ooh. desperately want her to come onto the show obviously I like wrote her uh, an email and was like please come on the show I really want to interview I, I haven't heard back from her people or her yet so um, just putting it out out there Lori if you hear this, Respond to my email, please. She yeah. has like this amazing website that's called thecozydrawingroom.com where- Oh, I love Yeah, that. it's amazing. You could buy her books on there, um, but she also has like a bunch of historical blogs. So I found this one article where she was talking about the residents of Berkeley Square. According to Lori Benson in an article entitled, A Fashionable Georgian Address, Berkeley Square, published April 20th, 2015, Lori writes- During the Georgian era, Berkeley Square was one of the most desirable places to live. During my last visit to London, I stayed near Berkeley Square and took frequent walks around the square. Sadly, only a few of the original buildings remain. Lansdowne House is one of those buildings, except the structure has been altered over the years. It's now an office building and a private club. It stood next to Devonshire House until that building was torn down in 1920. 
Lansdowne House was designed by Robert Adam for Prime Minister John Stuart, 3rd Earl of Butte. In 1765, it was sold unfinished to William Petty Fitzmorris, Earl of Shelburne, later First Marquess of Lansdowne, and a leading Whig statesman of the period. His home was a popular meeting place for social and political circles. Number 7 and 8 Berkeley Place hosted Gunter's Tea Shop, which was a fixture on Berkeley Square beginning in 1757. And I loved reading about this little tea shop. It was really interesting. She says, quote, This shop was housed in number seven and eight and was one of the finest confectioners in London. They sold syrups, candied fruits, cakes, biscuits, ices, delicate sugar spun fantasies, and elaborate table decorations. In addition to eating your ice or ice cream inside the shop, you could also order from the convenience of your carriage. A waiter would bring your order out to you, giving you the opportunity to eat your treat in your carriage under the shade of Berkeley Square. It was a popular destination during the Regency era because it was the only establishment in London where a lady could be seen eating alone with a gentleman who was not her relative without it harming her reputation. That's interesting. I also like that this is kind of the first drive through. Yeah. You know, but it's with carriages. I like that imagery. It's yeah, it's interesting to me that they're like, oh, this is a place where a lady could be seen eating alone with a gentleman and it wouldn't harm her reputation. So it was like, was there a taboo that like went along from going to that place? Like, would you would you tell someone that you like were trying to smash like, hey, you want to go like to uh, Gunter's tea shop with me and like eat in my carriage? You know, yeah. what I, mean? <laughs> I also I'm just picturing like sonic but it's everyone's in their carriages wearing top hats and petticoats and then some like old dude named gunter is just roller skating out (laughs) to each carriage with a tray like a silver tray with tea on it i love businesses like that i'm really happy that gunter's tea shop existed so thank you gunter wherever you are number 11 was occupied by horace walpole who was a whig politician And he lived at number 11 from 1779 until his death in 1797. Number 28 was occupied by a business located in Berkeley Square, which belonged to a cabinet maker named John Linnell. He was one of the first English furniture makers to be educated in design, studying at St. Martin's Lane Academy. Linnell submitted designs for the state coach of George III and produced the designs for the boxes at Drury Lane Theatre. These boxes would have been occupied at one time or another by some of his notable neighbors. Number 38 was the Jersey residence. On May 23, 1804, in the drawing room of that home, Lady Sarah Sophia Fane, the daughter of the 10th Earl of Westmoreland, married George Viscount Villiers and became Lady Jersey when her husband inherited the title. She was a patroness of Almax and a prominent figure in society. Her Berkeley Square townhouse was her London residence throughout her marriage, and she died there in 1837 at the age of 81. Number 42 was occupied by Beau Brumel, a socialite and an arbiter of men's fashion. He lived there in 1792. Do you know who Beau um, Brumel Brumel is? No, I've never heard of him before. So he's like, I guess you would call them a dandy. He was like one of the original dandies, which was, um, I'm sending you some pictures right now. Uh, So he was like 
the socialite who just dressed really well and inspired a lot of the fashion among like the socialite aristocrats of the time period. He dresses like how I feel like the horse people want us to dress, you know, like he's wearing. He definitely, I was about to say, he looks like he's wearing riding pants and riding boots. And then he's got this like really like the the upper half of his coat the front it's like a mullet yeah. the mullet of coats yeah. because the front is cropped short. with these brass buttons and then the back has l- this long tail that goes down probably to like the backs of his knees and then he's holding a top hat and what appears to be a flute in his hand and he's got this like tousled hair yeah. like yeah like i just got off of a boat and a horse right. <laughs> at the same time and now I'm here to woo me uh, me lass at uh at the Gooters tea shop where you know the sonic of the time and I'm going to hang out with my ladies here and and it's going to be fine. <laughs> I also think it's interesting because in those two pictures I sent one is like an illustration of him and then another one's of a statue of him and in the statue and the illustration he's dressed and posed like very similarly so mm-hmm. I feel like that was just his pose like he that you know how like Victoria Beckham always stands the same way. Yeah. Like I feel like he just stands like that and wears that kind of outfit like with that hair that's like his slay you know that you know that's interesting because now we have paparazzi that capture pictures of interesting people or or celebrities and back in the day maybe you were just constantly doing like your signature pose anytime you were out and about in case in case yeah in case someone was like oh maybe there's a sculptor going by or a painter going by like that was the equivalent of the paparazzi you just get like candidly sculpted in a uh, a very unflattering position unless you're just constantly (laughs) posing back then right so Lori continues Number 45 was home to Major General Robert Clive, the first Baron Clive, who was also known as Clive of India. He was a British officer who established the military and political supremacy of the East India Company in Bengal. He's credited with securing India and the wealth that followed for the British crown. Interestingly enough, after returning home, he sat as Tory member of parliament and in 1774, he died in his Berkeley Square home. There's no, there was no inquest into his death. However, there was speculation that he died from a self-inflicted wound or an overdose. Hmm. So that article by Lori was, was great. So, you know, this is just like an affluent area. Everyone is like a socialite or a baroness or something or whatever. They all, they, like, no one's just a dude or just like a girl. Right. Or just a person or just a dog. It's like the Duchess of St. Canterbury's Pomeranian. It reminds me a little bit of like Bel Air in Los Angeles, where I guess technically anyone could buy there or anyone could rent there. But like, really, nobody is going to go there unless they have a lot of money. And if you have a lot of money, you're probably somebody. So that's what it sounds like this Berkeley Square area was. It's like if you're going to be in this location, you kind of have to be somebody of note. Right. And Berkeley Square in this area today still has the same sort of like affluent attachment to it because it's in the West End. And today the West End of London is the entertainment capital of London. And it's one of the most expensive Mm. places in the world to rent commercial office space so like we could not have a podcast studio there there's no bootlegs there yeah yeah most of the historical residential townhomes that were surrounding berkeley square that we just talked about those have all been renovated into commercial office spaces to accommodate businesses that do things like wealth management or 
manage hedge funds, which is why people were so put off by this rumor that the most haunted home in London was number 50 Berkeley Square, because it was in this like very magical affluent area. Like you wouldn't guess that, you know, Paris Hilton or Kim Kardashian or uh, whatever. Who's a rich? I'm trying to think of a rich man. So I, it's not just women. Who's a rich man? Uh brad pitt oh yeah or brad pitt lives next to the most haunted home in america well actually maybe you i don't know maybe you would (laughs) maybe you would i will say back um this would have been two years ago maybe when we did an episode uh, it was a christmas themed episode about the los Feliz murder mansion oh right that that's not that's actually probably a better example i should have used instead of saying Bel Air because Los Feliz is not gated technically you could maybe you could find a situation where you could rent like a guest house on one of these properties but because it's so expensive and its proximity to the Greek theater in Los Angeles like really the only people that live there are going to be celebrities or rich people yeah so I think that maybe is a better example because you wouldn't think that I'm going to just name drop this person because they don't live there anymore. But Jamie Kennedy used to live in that neighborhood. He was on our show in season one. He's a comedian. He lived in that area. It was not a gated community. You could drive right up to his house if you wanted to. And he was down the street from the Los Feliz murder mansion. And so, yeah, it is unsuspecting. And then there were all these rumors about like, oh, also down the street is this house that belonged to this really famous uh, guy who was part of this like iconic moment in Hollywood in in movie making and his house is also super fucking haunted because randomly there was like cult meetings there and stuff. So, yeah, I don't know. So yeah, I I understand what you're saying. That's probably a better, uh, I should have said that instead of Bel Air. But yeah, it's like you don't expect these people with money to be living down the street from like a house that has super bad vibes and bad juju. Right. But sometimes they do. Yeah. Stars. They're just like us. Yeah. So who lived at 50 Berkeley Square and why is it so haunted? I'm about to tell you. The house, as it stands today, was designed by William Kent and was constructed in 1750. Today, it's one of the oldest unaltered buildings in London. The Right Honorable George Canning, a former prime minister, lived at 50 Berkeley Square until his death in 1827. And according to some sources, Canning knew that his home was haunted and he had like recorded in his diary that the home had, quote, unexplained sounds and disturbing psychic phenomena, end quote. And then even though Canning died from pneumonia at a different location, some people think like the house was responsible for his death. I, I like looked into this a lot. I tried to find his diary entries. I tried to find a bunch of stuff confirming this or not. And I couldn't find anything specifically. But it seems like it's just kind of widely accepted that people say he thought the home had weird psychic phenomena going on. Which, what the fuck does that mean? Does that mean he can see the future? Yeah. Does that mean there's like a vortex <laughs> there? Like, what does that even mean? Right. Is he waking up in the middle of the night to a swirling tornado of demons at the <laughs> foot of his bed? And then it just disappears up the chimney and he just has to continue living his life right in his journal entry he's just like well i don't want him to go too deep i'll just say yeah. like psychic phenomena right i don't want people to lock me up and in, in jail because i claim to see ghosts so i'm just gonna leave it at that that's a great observation because a lot of these people who will go to find out like went to this house and then claimed that there was ghosts supposedly got sent to institutions afterwards <gasps> oh my god that's oh that's so scary like you can't even come out and tell people about 
like the weird headless horseman that gallops through your living room each day at 2 a.m. Because if you tell the wrong person or you think somebody's your friend or uh, the press gets a hold of it, then you could just be thrown in a mental institution for the rest of your life. Right. Yeah. It's fucked up. So some people have thought like, okay, maybe it's kind of haunted. I don't know. That's kind of weird, but maybe it's not. And then a bunch of different tenants came in and like the turnover was so fast with all of these tenants that people were like, why aren't people staying there? Like, Mm. is there something wrong with the house? You know, and I know a skeptic might be like, well, it was really expensive and it was in this kind of transient part of London where people might just come stay there to go for like a summer and then leave afterwards. Who knows? I don't know. I'm being defensive. I reject that. No, I think that if if you have enough money to live in an affluent part of a big city, I think you want to stay there as long as possible. Right. Unless you're like me and you couldn't afford it anyways. And like you were just scraping by and then you had to leave like immediately. (laughs) Yeah, definitely, definitely could have been renter culture there. So Natalia just sent me a modern photo of 50 Berkeley Square. And I am looking at, um, so imagine you're standing on a sidewalk and you're facing the front door of this townhome. The door is painted black. There is a wrought iron um, like door knocker on the front that you would knock to let people know you were there. Above the door, there's this like square cutout of glass. And then there is a number 50 that is white lettering, but it's on a black, looks looks to be iron, um, like decorative uh, number placard. And then there's also a wrought iron fence and an iron archway leading up to it, which is pretty cool. And then above the door, you can see like the ne- the sections of the townhome, the floors of the townhome start and it is black painted brick. Yeah, it's just weird. Like you don't paint. Could someone give me like one example of a place that's not haunted that's painted black? One time, I don't know if it was haunted or not, but there was this house when I used to live in Woodland Hills. Uh There was a house there that got sold and purchased while I was living in a different house down the street. And the new owners painted it black and everybody was talking shit. Like all the neighbors were like, why would you fucking paint a house black in the valley? It gets up to 120 degrees some summers. Like what fucking morons? None of these houses have AC because it was like kind of an older neighborhood. But then after a while, I never and maybe it was haunted because I never actually met those neighbors, but it looked really, really nice. It just was like all of these old like grandma bungalow homes and then this like black super modern looking black house but it's haunted like okay look i like the super modern black too like cody and i have considered painting our house black we're like we should do black and do like a cool black metal roof and then like black tinted out windows and then everything's black and everyone's like who lives there and they can't tell you know and right (laughs) and and uh we thought about we were like that's really cool but i would think people would assume you were haunted right and we are kind of haunted (laughs) so maybe that's why you want to paint it black because there's some haunted haunted ghost inside of your mind that you became possessed with after researching so many haunted topics and it's telling you it's like whispering into your subconscious hey paint the house black it's like i see a house and i want it painted black it was just a ghost that sang that song honestly it sounds like ghost singing so i believe that's that it's a rolling stone song right i mean it could be a total poser maybe it's a different band i think it's the rolling stone no it's i want the house no it's not the rolling stones 
Who is it? I remember the music video. It was like these painted these black. dudes. It's like it's called House of the Rising Sun, right? No, that's a totally different one. It is. Fuck you. It's the Rolling Stones yeah. painted black. I see really? a red door and oh, I want it painted I'm thinking black. of something else then. House of the Rising Suns is like a blue song about a uh, a sex worker. By the animals? Is it by the animals? That's no? yeah, that's what I was thinking of. I thought it was by like ZZ Top. Maybe they covered it. House of Wow, I hope all the dads that are listening to this right now are just really happy and they're also shaking in their cars in anger because we got this <laughs> wrong. House of the Rising Sun. Oh, yeah, it is the animals, I guess. Maybe ZZ Top covered it. There's this house in New well, Orleans that called the Rising Sun. There's a guy. Yeah. Oh, there's a little boy and he's at the house and he wants to be a witch. That's like how I imagine the song goes. So Natalia sent me two more pictures of this 50 Berkeley Square. One is an illustration that says the quote unquote haunted house Berkeley Square. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because this illustration, I don't know when it was done. It looks kind of antique, but the house looks the exact same in the picture as it does yeah. in this um, illustration and then in the second photo that she sent it's berkeley square at night so it's all lit up and it's dark this building has been like unchanged since it's like a lot of these have gotten renovated this one hasn't there's still stables in it really yeah so at the end of this episode pretend you don't know that i already told you that when i bring it up <laughs> that i'm like oh yeah there's a bookstore there now they have stables and i'll show you pictures you have to act just as surprised as just now okay i can do that so everyone's like is this place haunted i don't know the prime minister was kind of haunted couldn't say anything about it because they will kill me and there's a bunch of people coming in and out don't know what's happening there but then there's this like single woman who was called a spinster by one of the sources which does that just mean a woman who's not married or does that mean like a promiscuous person no well i don't know i again i didn't know that the rolling stones sang that song so i could be <laughs> wrong but i think a spinster was just anyone over age 25 that wasn't married oh my god a man um, a man dressed as a politician just walked up to my door are you fucking joking no he's wearing like a nice jacket and like khakis i, I moved away from the door i hope i don't know what he's doing wait are you being serious or are you just trying to freak me out um no i'm being serious he, can like, he walked see you up. well no he can't now because i'm like moved back but he's standing at our door i assume he just rang our doorbell which doesn't work because it's connected to an app i don't have on my phone so he's probably just standing there <laughs> i'm gonna wait for him to leave i don't know what he wants he's probably just like i live up the street and i like golfing i don't know should i go answer it yeah go answer it i'm okay. curious i want to know on. what's going on all right, guys, as Natalia is going to answer the door, um, I'll just be providing some commentary of let's make some guesses. Who do we think this guy is? I think it's a guy selling solar panels because I know that she and Cody um, have been doing some construction on the house. So I bet you that it's just some dude in khakis that was like, oh, I saw that you're doing construction. I sell solar panels and I understand everyone's got to make a living, but I fucking hate those people because I'm a renter and they come to the door and they just start talking on their spiel and then finally when I can get a word in edgewise I'm like hey I don't own this house like why are you talking to me you should have just opened with hey do you own this house or are you renting and then I could be like hey I'm a renter I'm not going to be here for longer than six more months you're wasting your time talking to me that's what I would like okay second guess I'm also wondering it could be someone who is spreading religious leaflets I get the Jehovah's Witness coming to the place I'm renting all the time um could it could be them and one time a uh, spectrum came to my door and they stepped on this sprinkler that was in the front yard and they broke it off completely and then 
I didn't realize they broke it off until I was looking at the ring footage later. And then I contacted Spectrum and I was like, hey, I'm going to lose money from my deposit if you guys don't fix this. And they were like, oh, sorry, actually, the people that come out from Spectrum, they're actually like independent contractors and like we don't owe you any money. And I was like, I don't think that's how it works. But I also don't know enough about this to argue with you. But I did argue for a little bit because I was like, I really don't want my landlord to have this come out of my deposit. And then they were like, well, send us the ring footage then. And then I, I guess the ring footage deletes itself after a certain amount of time. And I also don't know how to send that because I don't really understand how ring works. And yeah, so then uh, I guess long story short, it's still broken and I haven't moved yet. And so I don't know what's going to happen with that. I hope it doesn't get taken from my deposit. But you guys, I don't know if you follow me on Twitter at DogMomUSA. I don't really tweet anymore. But I tweeted when I moved out of my old place showing this picture of this totally empty closet with just a hanger left in the corner that I had forgotten. And my landlord tried to deduct money from my security deposit because I left a hanger in there. So I don't know. I'm sure the landlord is going to want to take away money from me because a Spectrum person stepped on the sprinkler system. Also, why do we even have sprinklers in California? I feel like our state has so many problems with water rights that it wouldn't surprise me if sprinklers became illegal. Natalia just what? came back. What happened? Sorry, Natalia just uh, nothing. I, I was just saying a bunch of stuff to fill the space while you're you were... talking to yourself. Wow. Yeah. Oh, no, I was talking to the haunties. Anyway, so who was the man in the khakis? It was the like board of director for like the homeowners association. And so there's been a if you watch my vlogs, you'll know this, but there's been a like random fishing boat parked outside of our house for like a few days now, and I almost always hit it when I pull out. It doesn't belong to us. We don't have our information, I guess. Like when we moved in, we were like, fuck HOA, I'm not telling him shit about myself. <laughs> and so he just like, I don't have any of your information. Can you please move your boat? And I was like, it's not ours. I don't know whose it is. And he's like, well, do you know whose it is? And I was like, well, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but like maybe it's, you know, the neighbors. I don't know. And he was just like, okay. And then he was like looking around and he was like, do you own this home? And I was like, uh, I'm one of the homeowners. I could just tell he was disappointed because he was like <laughs> like a man in his 60s dressed in like a nice suit. And I'm like have white hair and I'm wearing a Care Bears shirt and like <laughs> biker shorts. And I was recording a podcast. You know what I mean? Like, he was right. Just, he, uh, yeah. He was just kind of like, God damn, these people are going to be a problem. Did he did he uh try to like come inside or look around or anything? No, I didn't want to open the door all the way because I'm wearing like... Yeah, I wouldn't either. I'm wearing like booty shorts right now and I like haven't shaved my legs in a long time, which I just could just tell by him would both be super like offensive and wrong. Offensive. In his opinion. Yeah. And um, so yeah, as he was leaving, he was just like, y'all sure have a lot of cars, huh? And I was like, we have two cars. And he was like, you, you use your garage? So I think he was like annoyed that our car are parked in the driveway not in the garage well fuck the HOA right I mean I get it they're just trying to like have nice houses but I'm just trying to like park my car in front of my door and go inside <laughs> yeah yeah I'm not trying to hide it from the world yeah so he was not a politician but he looked like one. He straight up looked like he... Ready to try to get your vote? No, no. He wasn't trying to get my vote. He was trying to put me in jail for sure. Yeah. Or something. <laughs> I can't wait for you to listen back to 
me babbling while you were gone because me and the haunties, even though it wasn't happening in real time, we were playing a game where we were trying to guess who he would be. Oh, and who'd you guess it was? Well, you're going to have to listen back and see see if, see if what I guessed. So back to what I was saying, there was a spinster woman, that, not my words, don't know what that means actually. Is a spinster uh, someone who's just unmarried or is that someone who's promiscuous? No, I think it's an, un- well, I mean, again, I don't know. I could be wrong, but I feel like it would just be an unmarried woman that is above the age of like, yeah, 23. Because back in the day, everyone was like, you must get married so you can go to the tea shop yeah. unchaperoned. Right. And otherwise, you're a prostitute and Jack yeah. the Ripper will get you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there was this woman who was single. Her name was Miss Curzon. And she, or Curzon, some people said, she lived in this uh, house until she died at age 90. And wow. she never said shit. She like straight up lived forever for the time and then like never <laughs> said one thing was weird about the house. But some of the articles are kind of implying that like she didn't say the house was haunted because she was haunted herself because she was like the single old woman. I mean, think about that. If you're 90 years old and you live alone in a house at that time, that would be like if we were to take 90 years old and scale it up to like today's age you know that would be like a 150 year old person living in a house by themselves what year does the story take place was it the 1800s 1700s i don't remember prime minister canning died in 1827 and then she moved into that house and she died at 90 so it would have been like late 1800s yeah she's like a warlock for that time Yeah, so people were kind of like, well, she didn't say it was haunted because she was haunted. Then this dude named Mr. Myers is the next to move in. And his residency is really the one which developed the home's like super haunted Mm. reputation. According to the legend, Mr. Myers was engaged and soon to be married. And so he furnished the house, 50 Berkeley Square, with like all of the best decor of the time, luxurious fashion, chandeliers, uh, imported rugs from China, uh, fine China from China. Can China be from places other than China? I don't know. It doesn't matter. But he had nice things in his house is the point. And so it was like he spent all this money on it and made it beautiful for his new married life. And he, you know, added all this like amazing details to it. And then just before the wedding, his bride-to-be called off the wedding and got married to another man. (gasps) Scandal. Scandal. And Mr. Myers was like devastated. And apparently he became a hermit. He moved into the top of the building, into the attic, and he just spent all these nights alone in the attic in the dark. And neighbors would notice that it was like completely dark in the neighborhood, but there was just one light on and it was coming from his attic. And it would turn on and off at strange hours. And some sources say that like he had left all of the furnishings exactly as they were before his fiance left him. Like some of the carpets were not even unrolled from the warehouse. Oh, wow. Another source claims that Mr. Myers lived exclusively in the dark. He stayed in the attic so that he wouldn't have to see the daylight ever. And he only came out at night and he walked the rooms of the house by candlelight. And then if he did go outside, he only walked by candlelight. And people said that like the flickering flame of the candle cast this creepy glow and would just look like a fucking haunted house with him wavering from side to side, just like drifting along at weird hours. I don't know. This dude was a hunter. 100% a vampire only <laughs> comes out at night like right. probably super pale because he never left his house oh. 
carrying yeah like swirling around from room to room like I just imagine him wearing like a black cape holding a melting candle and then you come knock on his door to sell Girl Scout cookies at midnight I don't know why you'd do that and then he opens the door and he's just like hello and then you just run away screaming as I was reading this too like a lot of people were kind of making it sound like oh poor him his like fiance left him and I'm like she probably fucking knew he was a weirdo he probably bought all of this stuff to impress her and was like we're engaged like this is amazing and she was like oh man like can I do it like can I be with this fucking weird guy that like doesn't go in the daylight and walks around with a candle all night and is like haunting me like is it worth it to have this like nice rug my friends are gonna like come see you know it sounds like he wasn't willing to put in the self-improvement work to not be a vampire hanging around in a dusty attic all day I mean I wouldn't want to you know be married to someone who was just in a sleeping bag in the corner of an attic behind some wooden pallets. <laughs> Why not? You're a bitch. I don't know, man. I mean, sometimes you just want to go walk out into Berkeley Square and look at the statue of the of the rabbit dancing the with horse. the horse. Yeah. And you don't want to have to constantly be like knocking on his makeshift home in the attic being like, hey, honey, I'm yeah. going to go out grocery shopping. Like, you want me to bring you back anything? And he's like, blood. <laughs> Oh, my God. So it seems like after this breakup happened, Mr. Myers just gave up on society completely, which we've all been there. We've all gotten really depressed and gave up on society before. Betterhelp.com forward slash get haunted. This (laughs) sounds like your life currently. You you can get better. We promise. So Mr. Myers like stopped the upkeep of his image. He started looking really disheveled. He stopped like going out to social events. Like I said, he just became a hermit. His home fell into disrepair because he stopped taking care of it. But most shocking of all to like locals was that he refused to pay his rent. Like he refused to pay taxes. Some sources say that at this point after he had like refused to pay his taxes, that he was declared insane and spent the remainder of his days at Colney Hatch Asylum. Wow. But other people say something else happened. Some people think that he like lived there for like a little bit longer and just continued to wander around. But then other people were like, no, that's why it was haunted because it still looked like he lived there, but he didn't. Oh, I see. Yeah. Like, and probably he was just so like... Like I said, just so odd with his behavior, like only being up at night, walking around with a melting candle, super pale from not seeing the sunlight. Like probably if he was peeking out of the window of the attic, people walking by would be like, was that a human or was that a ghost? Yeah. I'm just sorry. I was just thinking about that HOA guy and I was like, God, that was so uncomfortable. <laughs> Wait, uh. Natalia, what if that was a ghost? Oh. <gasps> No. Well, if he's not real, then he had a car with a woman in the car staring too. Wait, he brought somebody with him to talk to you about whether or not that was your boat? Well, he just drove up. Oh, you know what? Shit. Now that I think about it, he was probably had just come up from church. Like he'd probably just come from church. That's why he was dressed so nice. He drove his car up to our driveway, got out and just like went and knocked. I came and answered. He probably wasn't expecting anyone to answer. And he was probably expecting me to be like, that's my boat. But he was like, yeah, we just assumed it was yours because it was parked across from your driveway. And I was like, no, I almost hit that thing like five times. It's annoying. That 
Honestly, that is very haunted to just come straight from church dressed in your Sunday best. And the first thing on your mind is you want to go harass your new neighbor about whether or not they have an unsightly boat and a car parked in their driveway. I mean, maybe he was just thinking we would be home on Sunday. That's what I love about Sundays. (laughs) Do you remember, cut this out, do you remember when Nelly and Tim McGraw randomly collaborated on two songs in the early 2000s? Which song? I think about it over and over again. Oh yeah, that song was fucking good. I can't stop picturing you with With him him. and it hurts so bad. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's it. That's all I wanted. Over again. again. Look, I love country pop music. I feel like it draws you in because it starts with lock them doors and turn the lights lights down low. low. And you're like, this is stupid. I want to hear it again. And then before you know it, you're like, I only listen to this. (laughs) I want Reba McIntyre to come on this show as a guest so fucking bad. Yeah. Me too. She won't. She will, of course not. Why would she no. come on here? Maybe she finds out that I'm a single mom that works two jobs. Yeah. <laughs> single mom that works two jobs, a Pilates teacher and a podcaster. <laughs> She's fighting the HOA every day. I just feel like so much shame because that HOA guy came and here I am like looking exactly how he expected me to look like just a demonic entity, right? Like I'm doing a paranormal (laughs) podcast on Sunday morning. Like I have no family in Georgia. You should be right now making lunch for your family sitting down to a table, but you don't. You're like a woman who's working alone in a room on Sunday, the Lord's day and your husband's not here (laughs) because he's out training for some sort of ambitious marathon. We're just the antithesis of what this neighborhood wants. Well, I think you should paint your house black. And then eventually when you move, the rumors of, oh, there was a haunted spinster living in this house. She was unmarried and we heard tale of a child, but we never saw him. Like, she had a boat that she said wasn't (laughs) hers. (laughs) Okay, so back to Mr. Myers. So Charles G. Harper, who is this author that wrote this book in 1907 called Haunted Houses, he said about 50 Berkeley Square, quote, The four-story house was the very picture of misery, which also carried the inevitable reputation as the most haunted house in London. Dun, dun, dun. I feel like that's very impressive. When you live in a major city and there are so many houses, there's so much history in any uh, cosmopolitan uh, metropolis. Right. I'm, I'm just trying to find synonyms for city because I already said it twice. Um, I feel like when you live somewhere like that, though, to gain the title of most haunted, something yeah. really does have to go down there. In 1872, an aristocrat named Lord Littleton had supposedly stayed the night at the square after having had some work engagements in Mayfair. Lord Littleton was aware that the house was haunted, so he brought his shotgun. What? I'm going to shoot the ghost. That's very American, I feel like. I don't know what a guy in London's doing with a shotgun. Just after midnight, Lord Littleton was heard. He had fired his shotgun at a white figure that was lurking in the shadows. Supposedly after this happened, Lord Littleton said that he would never step foot in that building again. And it was true. He never went to the building again. Did anybody 
go in to see if he shot a guy or i mean this is part of like the lore some people say Mm -hmm. oh there's no proof to even prove that this was real or not but according to the sources that's what happened is like he had to stay the night in mayfair because he was working couldn't go back in his carriage it was gonna be too late he just needed to stay there was this house that had some space that he could go in and uh he went brought a shotgun because he was like well some people say the house is haunted but there's also like some theories that say oh when the house was not being occupied like after mr myers supposedly didn't live there or whatever maybe there was someone squatting there or something that gave it the reputation for being haunted because they weren't paying their taxes whatever the house was like supposedly empty so maybe it was like quote unquote empty and that's like how they were getting away with not paying your taxes i don't know that's just another i could see that yeah somebody knew that this house was like in the process of being repossessed or whatever the equivalent was in the 1800s like foreclosed on for not paying taxes so they're just like breaking into one of the windows and hanging out until somebody else takes over the mortgage sure in 1873, local council sued Mr. Myers for failure to pay council tax, and Mr. Myers failed to appear in court, but eventually they just excused him because they understood that he had the, quote, haunted house, end quote. So they were just like, I guess you don't have to pay taxes if your house is haunted. That makes sense to me. Even though the home was vacant, neighbors heard the sounds of bells ringing, furniture being dragged, windows slamming shut, and strange noises. Some people Mm. saw lights turn on despite the house being empty. In 1879, Mayfair Magazine published an article about the property stating that the house was in a great state of decay. The article says, quote, with windows caked and blackened by dust, full of silence and emptiness, and yet with no notice about it anywhere that it may be had for renting. This is known as the haunted house in Berkeley Square, end quote. Yeah, I mean, that that certainly sounds creepy, like especially this house that's in an affluent area and then it's just kind of abandoned. It sounds like a lot of people wanted to live in this area. It was kind mm-hmm. of sought after. So the fact that there's a piece of property in this desirable area that is seemingly vacant and in a state of disrepair would be kind of unsettling to see on the street. Like imagine you're walking by all of these super nice mansions where celebrities and politicians live. And then all of a sudden there's just this house that, yeah, has like black soot on the windows. And sometimes you think you can hear noises coming from it. It would be very creepy. I don't like it. After the article came out, the word about this house being haunted was out. Now, not only Mayfair knew that this was like a haunted house, it was all of London. Everyone was like, there's a fucking haunted house in London. Apparently, it became somewhat of like a challenge to go try to stay there to prove that you were brave. Because at this point, it had already developed into an urban legend. You know, people would drive their carriage by and be like, ooh, that's the haunted house. Like, I dare you to go, go like touch the door or something. I love that. Around that same time, several other stories about the origin of the home came to light. Now, some people think that these stories are just embellishments, that sensationalist articles trying to cash in on the haunted house lore, and other people think that these stories were brought up out of necessity and relevance once the haunting became popularized. Because before it was like, why would I bring up this like haunted situation unprompted that's like bad manners, you know? Yeah, I feel that. And also, like you said, anybody that was claiming to be haunted at the time was at risk of being institutionalized. So probably you just didn't want to bring it up in general until 
until it got more popular. Now, for this source of these next few anecdotes, I'm going to say, they all come from a YouTube video by a channel called Real Scary, entitled Scary Stories, The Ghosts of 50 Berkeley Square. Some of these stories had more detail to them than other sources, but the guy that was telling the stories had like an English accent, so I feel like he just knows more (laughs) than other people because he's like actually from there perhaps, or maybe the accent was fake too. I don't know. I'm just letting you guys know where I got this from. According to the YouTube video entitled Real Scary, Scary Stories, The Ghosts of 50 Berkeley Square, the neighborhood had begun whispering of a girl named Catherine who had jumped from 50 Berkeley Square's window to escape an abusive uncle. Afterwards, people reported seeing a shadowy outline of a young woman jumping from the window, screaming as she fell before disappearing just as she's about to hit the ground. Mr. Dupree was another character, and he was at one point the head of the house servants of 50 Berkeley Square. And apparently he was displeased with one of his younger kitchen maids named Ethel, who was slow and just not doing a good job. So to teach her a lesson, he locked Ethel in the dark, cold attic to be like, this is what happens. You want to be lazy? Go be lazy in the dark, cold attic now by yourself. But Ethel died in that attic. We aren't sure if she froze to death or died of fright, but either way, the attic took her life. Oh my God, that is fucked up. If I died that way, I would 100% be haunting that location. I also have to say like while I was watching this YouTube video, there was a bunch of like historical photos that went along with the story, but some of the photos just looked like it could just be any like historical photo. So I don't know if those were like real people or not, but it would be like Mr. Dupree. And then it would show like a black and white photo of a dude that like could be Mr. Dupree but like what if that was your legacy like what if someone hundreds of years from now like found your old like defunct Instagram and took one of your selfies and then was like yeah there was a a, a rapist and her name was uh Elizabeth Strafferden and here's a photo of her and it's just like you and it's not you and then <laughs> yeah. that's like your new legacy that's interesting like you just become the stock image for a murderer or a <laughs> stock <laughs> image for like a Victor anytime a Victorian guy is brought up at all and there's no photo of him you're just like the default right like if you google victorian victim that picture of ethel comes up (sighs) just fucked lydia wilkinson was also a maid and she had apparently spent the night on the top floor for whatever reason because she was like a servant they didn't stay in like the main house but the next morning they heard screaming and they came up and they found her in her bed and her face was twisted into this horrified shape and she was speaking incoherently and she was babbling and she was just acting really like hysterical. Apparently she had gone insane just from sleeping in the room upstairs and doctors admitted her to Bethlehem Psychiatric Hospital. Some sources say that she spent the rest of her life in the hospital and other sources say that she died the next day. I mean, either way, very bad vibes. Benjamin Smith was a man who was rumored to have lost a bet with his drinking buddies. And so he had to spend the night at the house like in order to, I don't know, fulfill whatever bet they made. So because he knew like the house was haunted, he set up a system of bells in the house for safety. And he said he was going to do 
one ring if he was scared, like one ring for fear, two rings if he needed help. So he like sets up this whole bill system thinking like, wow, I really, really like got it figured out. And he lays his head down on to the pillow and he like puts the covers on top of him and he closes his eyes. All of a sudden the bell just starts ringing like crazy on its own and it's going insane. It's like ding, 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 ding. And it gets louder and louder and louder. And then he just died of a heart attack while he was still in bed. Yeah, they said that they found him the next morning and his head was still on the pillow. But I have to wonder, if this was a true story, like, how would they know that the the bell was ringing super loud and then he died? Like, was wouldn't it just be that he was ringing? Like, oh, I'm something bad is happening. Like, come up, you know? I'm like, why would nobody come up if he tells you he's doing this experiment and one bell means I'm scared and then two means like I need help or whatever, then why would you just listen to him ring Mm -hmm. like over and over and over and over again and just be like, oh, it's fine. He's just really scared. Like what what did you think was going on? You have to check on him. Maybe they got confused. They're like, hey, mate, one bell, that one means scared. Yeah. Okay. Two two i think that one meant that something wrong was happening but what what does that what one does mean 50? when it's 50 50 yeah. ring what that one mean and the other one's like i don't know mate just get some shut eye in the next morning it will be all all right so after that happened in 1879 which was a few years later after the man with the ringing bell <laughs> died in his bed this woman named lady brampton purchases the home And again, this is all according to that YouTube video that I watched. She purchases the home and she moves in with her two teenage daughters. Well, the eldest daughter complains specifically that the house has like a gross stench to it, but no one else can smell it except for the eldest daughter. And she says it smells specifically like zoo animals in cages. Ew. So I don't know what that means. And she apparently also like was engaged to this dude. His name was Captain Kentfield. And Captain Kentfield said he's going to come visit her in her new home. So the eldest daughter asked the maid to go make up a room for Captain Kentfield to stay in to visit. So the maid goes up to prepare a room on what would you guess the top floor for the fiance en route. And as she's up there preparing the room, screaming is heard. So the whole family runs up there and they find this maid collapsed on the ground, screaming, don't let it touch me. 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 And she won't stop saying, don't let it touch me. She was declared insane like the others and sent away to an institution. But other sources claim that she died in the hospital the next day as well. So I don't know. It's for some reason. So the idea that the house had this weird smell sometimes like zoo animals makes me think of a poltergeist because as we learned in the Doddleston messages part four the bonus episode one of the characteristics of a poltergeist is bad smells and so most people will say like rotting meat or um, like feces and so the like that when I think of a zoo animal cage I think of being thrown raw pieces of meat for the animals to eat and also like feces. So right. it sounds to me like a poltergeist. Or is there just like a wild animal living in the house that's fucking all these people up and they're like, don't let it touch me. It's but then wouldn't it, eat, wouldn't it eat them or like hurt them? Well, I'm also thinking though, like, okay, 
I'm just going to say it because all the skeptics are probably saying it. Didn't you say that this house has horse stables? So wouldn't like couldn't isn't it possible that it just wasn't cleaned up super well? And that's oh. why it smelled like zoo animal cages. Yeah, I mean, it could be. But like horses don't. OK, maybe this is me and maybe I'm biased, but I don't think horses have the same stench as like a zoo animal. Like it smells their their horse manure smells very earthy because it's just grass. It smells like cut grass, but maybe that's just because I'm so used to it. Do you think it horse be. poop smells bad, Alyssa? <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, I mean, but I've also been like really lucky that I've been, my horses have been kept in places where like the horses are taken really like good care of. So it could just be that like horse manure, like if it's left out to rot or it's sitting for a really long time, smells really bad. Yeah, I mean, I'd imagine because it's feces, but maybe, I, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know, yeah. dog. You could eat it. No. <laughs> that's like one thing that we would do when we were kids like at the barn is yeah you would be like dare each other to eat a piece of the horse poop and like if you were like a real horse girl you would eat it because you like aren't scared of horses I don't know how to explain the mentality behind it it's kind of like in kid land it was like okay like if you're actually a horse girl like you've tried the horse grain one further was like have you eaten the poop because like that's how much you don't care about being like a horse's If you're listening to this and you've eaten animal poop before, I encourage you to go to betterhelp.com forward slash get haunted and talk talk through that because I feel like that's that's a trauma. That's a childhood trauma if somebody pressured you into eating animal poop. It was me that pressured other people into doing it. Go, uh, okay, if if you were the one pressuring, definitely go to betterhelp.com forward slash get haunted. Apparently that story didn't end like the story where the maid was like don't let it touch me don't let it touch me it doesn't end there so captain kentfield was still on his way to go see his fiance and he was like unbothered like when he got there and he found out that there was a woman who was like don't let it touch me don't let it touch me died like next to the bed that she made for him to sleep in he was just like well seems unrelated and decided that he was gonna sleep in the bed anyways so 30 minutes after he went to bed people start hearing screaming again and then they hear a gunshot and they run up there and they find his body face down in the guest room he had died from fright and he had discharged his gun apparently shooting at whatever it was what did he die of they didn't know like they when they examined his body they were it was like a heart attack so they were like oh he must have died of fright yeah it was like a heart attack so they're like he probably died of fright so most people heard that story and then they were like well what was he shooting at in the room soon people were whispering of something called a quote nameless horror unquote that lived in that attic a nameless whore Horror. W-H-O-R-E? Oh, <laughs> horror. Oh. <laughs> a nameless whore. <laughs> like he was just shooting at a nameless whore. And then the girl's like, don't let it touch me. Don't let the nameless whore touch me. <laughs> That's why I was confused. I was like, what? In Charles Harper's Haunted Houses, the nameless horror was described as, quote, an unnamed raw head and bloody bones, end quote. Well, I don't like that. I don't really have anything else to say other than I don't like it. A raw head and bloody bones. What's a raw head? I don't, is that like a skinned head? Or is that oh. like a skull? Is that like oh. a skull? I bet you it's that. I was just thinking like somebody who has gotten in like a bad motorcycle accident and like yeah. been dragged by uh, like along the asphalt and has road rash on their cheek. Like, yeah. But no, it would make more sense if it was a skinned 
head or a, or a ske- skeleton. Maybe it's like that that Nicolas Cage thing that's on fire. You know what I'm talking about? He's like a flaming skull. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's just Nicolas Cage. Didn't that creature ride a motorcycle? Yeah. Like, yeah, he's just... (laughs) It's just Nick Cage on fire riding a motorcycle through the attic just doing donuts. And everyone's like, don't let it touch me. (laughs) According to Real Scary... In 1887, there were two sailors from the HMS Penelope that stayed in the house on Christmas Eve. If you're like, wait, why did they stay in the house on Christmas Eve? Well, here's why. Edward Blunden and Robert Martin, according to the sources, had been out all night because they were on leave. It was Christmas Eve and they'd spent all of their money drinking and they were looking for a place to spend the night, but they couldn't afford to stay in a hotel because they were like in a nice area of town. So they found this derelict home and they decided that's where they were going to stay the night or perhaps they were drunk and they knew that it was the most haunted home in London. They're like, let's go stay there. I don't know. So they go inside and they go to one of the upper bedrooms to fall asleep. Blunden falls asleep in like a drunk stupor, but soon he wakes up to the sound of footsteps coming up the stairs. And then he hears the door creaking open. He looks up and he sees this ghostly mass of what looks like a middle-aged man. And it's growling like... Then the mass starts to attack Blunden. And Martin wakes up. He sees what's going on. He's like, I'm going to get the fuck out of here. He just runs out of the house. He goes all the way to the police station and he reports what happens. And he's like, there's someone attacking my friend. And the police run back to the house, accompanying Martin to go see what the situation is. And then the story goes on that when they arrived, they see Blunden's body is in the basement. What? It's been like dragged down to the yeah, basement? Yeah, it's been dragged down to the basement. And then as Martin's leaving the house, like sad about his friend having died, they, you know, get the body and they they leave. He notices a painting on the wall of the home. And he's like, that is strange. That looks really familiar. And he looks closer at the painting. And he's like, that's the person that attacked my friend. Who was it? It was a painting of Mr. Thomas Myers, the guy that had lived there. (gasps) And had supposedly gone insane. Yeah. Another tale of that same version states that the mass, the like middle-aged man mass that came out was like a monster-like creature that had this huge gaping mouth and it slithered between rooms. And when the men had tried to escape, one of the men impaled themselves on a railing below. (laughs) Do you like this story? Yeah, I don't like that. I just... I don't want to... Move on. I don't want to talk about well, it. Well, I feel like when there's two conflicting stories like that, like those are two se- completely different stories. Yeah. So like that makes it seem like both of them are fake because it's like, how can you be like, right. it was a girl. Yeah, officer, uh, this woman attacked me and it was a, I was a woman and she had long blonde hair and she was wearing a pink miniskirt and then she shot me and my arms wounded. And then the next story is like, yeah, there was an alligator and he opened his mouth really <laughs> wide and then I tripped and fell and I was wearing shorts and sandals like they're totally different (laughs) instances you know yeah well unless it is some sort of entity that takes on the shape of whatever the person is most scared of oh I didn't even think about that and so maybe to you it's a it's a Paris Hilton type figure in hot pink shorts that say slut on the button rhinestones because that's your greatest fear. (laughs) And then for another person, it's an alligator in a top hat spinning a cane while like skipping down the stairs with golden teeth because that's your the other person's greatest fear. Wow. 
I didn't even think about that. So that is the story of 50 Berkeley Square. Wow. That was very enjoyable. It's like I said, it's been a while since I've heard, like since we've covered just a good old fashioned haunted house. So I really enjoyed this. I think it's warming me up quite nicely for spooky season. Although I would like to say spooky season is year round when you have a haunted podcast or when you listen to a haunted podcast. But thank you, Natalia. That was very enthralling. I'm glad you liked it. But remember, you promised me in the beginning what you were going to do because the episode's not over yet. Oh, yes. (laughs) I wasn't supposed to. I wasn't supposed to hear that there were horse stables. Send it to me. I'll give you a good reaction. So in 2015, 50 Berkeley Square was actually occupied by this bookseller. This bookseller is fucking crazy. I didn't know about them until... I read this article, but the booksellers called Mags Bros Unlimited or Mags Bros Limited. And uh, apparently they've been around for like hundreds of years. And I found an article with photographs of the building of the interior of 50 Berkeley Square because for this article and the pictures are amazing. I'm sending them to you right now. They look like what you would imagine a fucking haunted place is. And I'm going to read the article to you. As soon as I finish sending you all of the stuff. This article for spittlefieldslife.com is written by an author who goes by the name The Gentle Author. The article is titled All Change at Mags Bros Limited, written November 26th, 2015. Quote, Tomorrow, Mags Bros Limited will be closing the door after 78 years in Berkeley Square prior to opening new premises nearby, but I managed to cross the threshold in time to explore this astonishing five-story Georgian mansion stacked with rare books and manuscripts. The green carpet is as springy beneath your feet as moss in the deep forest compounding the wonder of the house of arcane marvels and delights of literary nature presented in palatial rooms furnished with fine marble fireplaces and elaborately decorated plaster ceilings. Beneath the garden, a vast basement is filled with bookshelves of further treasures. Once the residence of George Canning, Britain's shortest-serving prime minister, these premises also enjoy a reputation as London's most haunted house. A long line of photographs ascends the stairs, commencing with Uriah Maggs, who founded the family business in 1853 at the foot and culminating with Maggs of recent year at the head. Former generations bought and sold Codex Sinaiticus, two Gutenberg Bibles, a copy of Canterbury's Tales, the first book printed by Caxton in England, and notoriously, Napoleon Bonaparte's penis. What? <laughs> yeah, so the article like didn't elaborate more on Napoleon Bonaparte's penis, but this Magsboro Limited company it sounds haunted as fuck. It's basically like a bookseller that's been around for since eight, the 1850s, and they had accumulated all of these ancient texts and all of these like and a penis and and Napoleon Bonaparte's penis apparently they had just like accumulated all of this um ancient historical interesting things that you might you know find at a library um including i guess Napoleon Bonaparte's penis now there was no elaboration on that but i i want to do an episode on Mag's brothers limited in the future because i think it's just so interesting so i sent you all of these pictures of yeah, the, guys. the store it's amazing it's like in it's beautiful it's it's incredible it's like a literally a mansion and then it's just filled with like old manuscripts like fucking shit that looks like a a little jester would read before like a king comes out like scrolls and second edition edition wagner like it's got like crazy shit in there you want to describe the photos 
Yeah. So Natalia sent me several photos of 50 Berkeley Square that you guys can see at Let's Get Haunted on Instagram. The first photo shows some um, stone or concrete steps that lead down into what appears to be a basement. And then in the basement, there's just all it's wall to wall Mm -hmm. bookcases with books that look really old. And what makes it so cool, like from a visual perspective, is that these books are stacked really haphazardly. So you'll have some that are stacked um, lengthwise, some that are stacked up and down like Mm -hmm. they would normally be, some that are like just thrown onto a shelf, it looks like. And they're all really old and dusty and they're kind of the same color. They're like faded, um, kind of like a brown, yellow, faded color. It looks like a Harry Potter set, you know, like it looks like it looks like it would be in Diagon Alley. It does. Yeah. It looks like yeah, like the restricted section of the library, you know, the, like in, from Harry Potter yeah. where it's like nobody's allowed in there unless they have a good reason. And it's all these like dangerous tomes of like little known magic. And right. yeah, it's very, very cool. Then in the next photo she sent, you can see this um, nice st- a set of stairs that are going up to the next level. And it has all these black and white photos of old dudes on the wall, which is very haunted. And so I'm assuming one of those is the one that the um, soldier saw and was like that's the guy that attacked my friend no because no so this is like no (laughs) this oh okay (laughs) i mean maybe it could be holy shit did we just come up with a new theory um no these are just like the all of the different people who have oh who have lived there no who have been in charge of this book company mag brothers books so like this is a bookstore that has been around since the 1850s that has had been at 50 Berkeley Square for like over 75 years or whatever it was. And so all of those pictures are like different generations of the book company oh. owners. Like the one at the very bottom is the founder from like the 1850s and then it goes up to more modern ones. But well, they're very haunted looking. I would not be surprised if these guys ghosts are haunting somewhere. <laughs> right? Maybe not this place, but somewhere they're haunting for sure. I know like this book, this bookseller is just haunted. And that's why I was so interested in them. But then also that building is haunted. So it's like two haunted things found each other. Haunted attracts haunted, right? Like attracts like. And then the last photo that Natalia sent me is of what appears to be a horse stable. Yeah. Yeah, so isn't that interesting? There's like, there's literally like two stalls, it looks like. It looks like it's been refinished. It's all painted white and stuff. And it looks like they're like just using it for storage, you know? They have like some boxes yeah. and stuff there. But you can tell that it's obviously like horse stalls. Yeah, that's very interesting. Because um, you don't expect to see horse stalls in a townhome. But then again, as we learned from a listener story we did earlier this year, Um, sometimes you find horses in the most unexpected places, (laughs) including inside of a white trash, um, housing complex that I once lived in as a child. So uh, that is my episode. Now the theories are basically, they're really short. So one, the first theory is like the skeptic theory that this is just like all bullshit that, uh, Thomas Myers was just like a normal dude that uh, happened to uh, go through like a hard time and he was depressed and then people started saying that he was haunted and that his house was haunted. Um, and then the stories grew out of that. Option two, theory number two, is a curse. This is the theory that states the house has some sort of evil put on it we're not sure what we're not sure Mm. if it was the prime minister who did it we don't know who is responsible maybe it was william kent the guy who designed it we're not sure but whatever darkness is in that house seems to like attract 
more darkness and maybe that's why that uh haunted lady wasn't affected by it and the third theory is that this is a ghost like a good old fashioned like you were saying a poltergeist and it's just born out of stress and depression and misery that comes from whoever's like staying in the house because it seems like this is kind of like a transient house so people are already unstable anyways and then they're staying in there maybe it really proves that money can't buy happiness and it can't buy wow to be unhaunted. Yes, to all of the above. I also think, so as you were telling this story, I was just thinking about the Doddleston messages because it also takes place in the UK and uh, it takes up a lot of space in my brain. Um, <laughs> but I'm wondering, could this house be on a ley line or be built oh, yeah. on like some sort of energy vortex that just causes it to have all of these types of hauntings? I think it's really interesting that so many people died in the house of seemingly natural causes like even though they were um and what i mean by that is like a heart attack is a natural cause so like it's just interesting to me that it seems like all these different types of people with different backgrounds demographics like there was a maid who presumably was like you know pretty young and then she just dies while making yeah. a bed and then there's, um, you know, a guy that's kind of an aristocrat that's coming to visit and then he dies. There are these two working men from a ship that die there. Like it's all different types of people that have perished in that house. Mm. And so you can't just chalk it up to like, oh, well, you know, it was all people that were 900 years old, like right. that 90 year old lady. Like it's all people that were really old. So, of course, they died. It makes sense. Or it was all people that had these pre-existing heart conditions. Um, and so, of course, they would die of a heart attack. Like, no, it seems like it was all different types of people. Right. And so that makes it really interesting to me because it's harder to be a skeptic unless you think that there was just a murderer living in there. <laughs> Um, but then how do you explain so many generations of people dying? You know what I mean? So it would have to be like, yeah, it would have to be a vampire. It'd have to be some sort of immortal person. So oh, it's very intriguing. I really, really like this story. What if it was like passed down in the same way that that bookseller's mm. business was passed down through the generations? It's like like a curse or or a murderer. Like, hey, kids, we live in this attic and our legacy is that we have to be really, really quiet and just murder anybody that comes up here. <laughs> Yeah, or maybe, maybe it's just. And like if you a, don't murder, you're like uh, you have besmirched the family name. Well, maybe it's just like more difficult to find a different job. Like I have to think with these bookseller mm. people, they have all of these like priceless books that are supposedly like priceless, but they're only priceless if someone buys them. Until then, it's like you just have thousands of pounds of like old leather and moths. And what are you going <laughs> to fucking do with it? Who's going to go through all of it? Like, are you going to move all of that shit to a different place? Are you going to, like, try to sell all of it? Or are you just going to be like, okay, whatever. I'll just take on the family business. It's already done for me. And, like, over the next, like, 50 years, if I don't buy any new books, maybe all of these will be sold and then I can, like, do another one. Maybe it's the same with these, like, murder family people. What if they're like, okay, we already live in this dilapidated house. It's going to be too challenging to go out and, like, get another house. We haven't had a job in, like, 50 years. So we don't have any money. Like, this is all we have. And this is it. I just want to know <laughs> who, first of all, yes, I agree with you. Um, Second of all, I just want to know who dragged that guy down three flights of stairs into the, the basement. basement like that is haunted as fuck because didn't you say they were staying in the attic yeah. and then when he goes and gets the police and comes back the guy's body is just 
dead in the basement that's fucking horrifying that is so scary maybe he got pushed down three flights of stairs yeah like he pushed him down the first one it was like we're not done yet and then pushed him down the second one and then he was like almost and then pushed him down the third one and i was like there now we're done oh my god and also you would think that the police would have searched the house when they found a dead body right so they would they should have if somebody was living in there or had broken in you think there would be evidence of that okay so but that if kind you of were, just if you were like a cop and you go like someone a sailor fucking runs up to your place and is like oh my god something terrible just happened to my friend oh my god i'm scared for my life whatever da, da, da. are you just gonna like go and be like yeah let's go search all the corners of this like super haunted house that's like been plaguing the community for decades no you're probably gonna be like yeah there's a dead person looks fucking haunted let's get the fuck out of here i feel like if i was in that possession position as an old timey detective that would be like a dream come true i'd be like it's now my time to shine i am nancy drew i have delusions of grandeur (laughs) and i am going to be the one to crack this case now maybe they weren't like that and also times were tough like we said life is hard sometimes you've just got to do what you got to do to survive so maybe they were like you know this is gross there's um like it smells like animal feces it smells like the zoo there's a dead body let's just get the coroner to take the body out case closed Maybe or maybe his friend killed him and then ran down to the police station and was like, oh, yeah, like, I don't know. We decided to stay in this haunted house. And now now I don't know. Someone's attacking him. Oh, and then forensics were just so bad. Yeah. Oh, no. He's in pit. Look, do you guys see this? Oh, he's no. kicking him down the stairs. He's like, oh, no. Oh, he's going down another <laughs> flight. Like, just like anyway, I won't get too graphic because anyway. Yep. <laughs> super haunted. Super fucking haunted. I don't like it at all. Yeah. Weird. But story. I love it at the same time. Uh, Not sure how I feel about it. Very cool. Great. Excellent job. What do you guys think? Let us know. Comment on the Instagram post of at Let's Get Haunted. Was this a good episode? Was this a bad episode? Like I liked it a lot. We haven't had a good haunted house story in a long time. Okay. Would you like to do our sign off? Yes. And I feel like it's been so long since I've done a sign off. So I'm very excited. When was the last time you did a sign off? I don't even know because you did it for the last listener story. And then I had a whole month of Doddleston. So you were doing the sign off for all of those. So I feel like it's been maybe maybe it hasn't, but it just feels like it's been forever. So now I feel like the pressure's on. BRB got to go move into a haunted house so that my neighbor's think that I'm a vampire, but actually I'm just a woman above age 25 who's not married. (laughs) Bye. Bye.